And there we are. And here we are. And here we are. We are back. Oh my God. <laughs> in like a month. Yeah. Had a little hiatus. But yeah, kind of a big hiatus. Yep. So uh, thanks to everybody who was asking, like, what the hell happened to you guys? Yeah, that's not exactly what I kept hearing. It's like, hey, what the French toast? Yeah. Where the hell did you guys go? <laughs> And you know, over the time when we were when we were on hiatus here, I kept like every day I was getting more and more uh, uh, notifications that more and more people have been discovering us on 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 Facebook. And I thought, and we're not putting out anything. And we're and we're not doing anything. I know, I know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So won't they be surprised? How about that? Well, hopefully they won't even notice. They'll just, you know, right. they're still catching up on season whatever they are. Did we even notice? I mean, we, oh, we noticed. We no <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> you noticed. Uh, I noticed, definitely. But we're, we are back. Uh, this is number 57. So number 57 of the Fusion Underground. So we've been doing this for over a year now. So here at the Fusion Underground, what we try to do is we try to make sense of the world by having principal discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in my virtual studio by my co-host, the wonderful, the one, the only, the myth, the man, the legend, Oof. Jason Moret. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. I'm really good. So I've got I've got wine, and I did you notice I'm drinking it out of out of the wine glasses you got me. Well, one, yeah. one, one of the wine glasses you got me anyway. They're pretty slick. Um, yeah, they hold like quite a bit of wine. This is like a half a bottle of wine in this thing. I know. That's part of the reason why I like I was like, ooh, one glass of wine. Yes, please. That's half a bottle. <laughs> it's like a wine bowl is uh -huh. what it is. <laughs> It's, yeah. I think I think we should uh, we should get those and and um, give them to our subscribers. I think that's a great idea. I think it's a fantastic. I think that's a idea. great idea. So I want to start off with sharing something with you. Okay. <clears throat> uh, as soon as I get it loaded up here, you know it's it's been a while since we've done things like this, um, and uh, we used to call it a a palate cleanser. And I found this the other day. And uh, I thought this was absolutely ridiculous. So why don't we just check this out? If you can see, this is a, a woman. She's sitting out on like a back patio in a chair. She's got some recyclable container. And uh, well, just watch what she's doing as she, yeah, well. Can you see what she's doing there? <laughs> she is peeling. She's trying to use a... a Potato peeler to peel a banana. 
<clears throat> our no. future is in great hands. Right. <laughs> right. So for those for those listening, you know, we normally we often talk have like a, a big topic that we you know that we prep and we do all of this kind of bantering back and forth and we kind of get into the nitty-gritty. Uh and for today's episode, which you'll be hearing about uh, on the 29th, which just happens to be the day that Blizzard releases the new content expansion pack for World of Warcraft, Chains of Dominion. Uh, for those of you who care, I think I'm the only one that probably does care, but there you go. There it is. Uh, you'll be hearing this on the 29th. But anyway, what we thought we would do is we don't really have a topic per se, but we have a bunch of little topics that we want to talk about. Yep. We're just, just all kinds of stuff. Freeform this one and yeah. actually get yeah. everybody in the habit or back in the habit, even if it is more uh, Lucy and myself, of listening just to us. listening to each other and bouncing ideas off of one another and seeing how conversation evolves. Because I mean, really, without that, yeah. we're not we're not ever going to go anywhere if we right, can't right. have uh, conversation and discourse back and forth. So right. And by the way, I'm drinking a wine called Seven Moons. Okay. I think it might be a red blend. I don't actually remember. Well, it's not a white. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a white. I don't know if that makes me racist or not. Uh, but uh, oh. it's actually really good. I, uh, I dig this. I highly recommend a Seven Moons blend. A Seven Moons red, what, whatever that is. Yeah, I think it's a blend. I think it's okay. a red blend. I think um, you are now tasked with putting in whatever that is into the comments on this video when you upload mm. it so that mm. everybody knows what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, not going to happen. Yeah, no, I, I know that's right. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you. If, if I happen to remember it, maybe I will. That's another reason we need a producer. That's why we need a snurdly. We need, we need a snurdly. Yeah. We've been saying that for over a year now that we need a snurdly and uh, it happens to be the case. Well, for those, for, for those who do not know, we've actually written a book. Yep. Um, and we've at least completed the whole first draft of said book. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we, we're trying to work on a cover for it. And we hope to release it sometime sometime soon. Yep. I was actually just um, telling the parents about that tonight, that um, we're, we're content done. We've got our rough draft. Well, rough at least. Almost virtuing on draft. Um, so that we can finish our editing and I'd love yeah. to be able to see it published before well, by end, end of summer. I would, that's what I would fall. like to see too. Yeah. So I, I want to get that thing published by, by the fall timeframe. Um, now for those of you who do not know, our book is actually, it, it's a, it's a handbook. It's a handbook of sorts and it talks about, um, well, masculinity. It talks about being a man in today's society, in today's world. And not necessarily for today, really. No, I, I called it Proverbs for men. Proverbs for men. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's, a, that's a great way of looking at it. Proverbs for men. Um, I'm really pleased with, with the way things are turning out with it. Um, and because of that, because we are writing this book for men, uh, I found this article. I'm going to kick this whole, this whole evening thing off here. <clears throat> um. This was an article that was published on a website called Polygon. And Polygon, for those who do not know, they they spend they do a lot of they do a lot of news, geek news, if you will. I, they really got their niche uh, by doing video game reviews, uh, but they branched out and they they review comic books and and television shows and anything that geeks would like. 
movies. Um, this last, this latest article that Polygon wrote, some guy named by the name of I, and I'm probably going to butcher his name, not intentionally, Zev Chevat, P H E V A T. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine on how to pronounce it. Zev you, Chevat. That sounds right. <clears throat> oh, you know. <laughs> no but i'm not gonna try another iteration of it so. yeah 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 that yeah. sounds right uh so what he wrote i'm assuming it, this is a man i'm assuming i don't Shame know Ze zev i don't know zev's pronouns um but zev went back and thought was thinking about the lord of the rings more specifically okay. the death of boromir in the fellowship of the ring yeah, you watched The Fellowship of the Ring. You remember Boromir's yeah. death, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It was a very touching scene for, for many people. I think it was more touching for those of us who have never read or, or for those people who never read the books. Um, as somebody who read the books multiple times, I of course, I knew it was coming and it wasn't like it was a big surprise. I remember sitting in the movie theater and hearing the gasps, hearing people gasp when Boromir got shot with the first arrow. And I thought, didn't you, haven't you read this book? Like who hasn't read this book? It was in the movie theater. Anyway. No, I think most people that went to go see it, actually, they were, it maybe a handful of them remember the old um, animated movies, the original mm. animated movies from the 70s. By Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. But mm. um, probably not many have actually read the books. Yeah. And or they I, have, but it's been so long. Yeah. And I actually own the, um, the Lord of the Rings animated movie that was, if you well if you remember they actually use live actors yeah yeah and then and the animated over to, yeah so it, it's it's a very bizarre watch actually I bet. I bet. if you I ever seen those in years oh i and i still have it so i mean um yeah it's it's very odd to watch yeah well but this anyway. this this article here the title of this is called lord of the rings revived hold on let me let me say this correctly Lord of the Rings revived soft masculinity with Boromir's tender death. That's what this is titled. How Peter Jackson, the subtitle here, how Peter Jackson's trilogy sold a brotherly kiss to an audience allergic to male intimacy. That is the headline of this. Okay. Okay. Um, he goes through the first paragraph here he goes he sets up the death of boromir he being impaled by three enormous arrows he lies dying in the forest yada yada aragorn comes to him helps boromir bring his sword to his chest giving him the repose of a warrior slain in battle and then in an intimately framed shot aragorn cradles his fallen companion's face and kisses his brow that's the first paragraph of this whole thing right right and then he goes into the Zev goes in and says, Boromir's death sticks with viewers new and old, unforgettable in its performances and its deep wells of emotion. The first time I saw the scene in an, un, in an enraptured midnight premiere audience, I remember my surprise that no one laughed or quipped in embarrassment. It was gratifying and shocking to see that level of masculine tenderness depicted on screen, let alone in one of the biggest films of that decade. Hmm. He goes on to say here, Zev goes on and says, it would have been easy following the lead of other early 2000 blockbusters for the Lord of the Rings trilogy to have catered to the times and taken a turn for the self-aware, self-embarrassed and glancingly too overtly homophobic. 
But with the quiet power of Boromir's death scene, Jackson and company gave the hardened mainstream audience of 2001 a different idea of what masculinity could look like, an older idea, drawing on a potent mix of Arthurian legend, Tolkien biography, and the on-screen mannerisms of the golden age of Hollywood. The filmmakers crafted one of the most heart-wrenching moments in the Lord of the Rings series. More than that, they delivered an expression in profound masculine vulnerability and, well, fellowship that had become all but extinct in the surrounding big budget landscape. Now, <laughs> gather your thoughts, good sir. <laughs> No, I thought I was the only one that sucked my teeth like that. <clears throat> the, the, the problem with this article, and, and Zev goes on for, you know, uh, for paragraphs here where he's, he's stunned. He's stunned that two men, two brothers in arms can come together and can have an emotional moment and it, and he's stunned because he believes that everybody else out there in movie-going cinema land in the United States, around the world, he thinks that anybody who sees two men being emotionally attached to one another must immediately look at it as a homophobic relationship or as, mm -hmm. a, as, a, as a homosexual, homosexual relationship. relationship. Right. Who are these people and why are they retarded? That is a serious question that I have because these people have zero idea about how the world outside of their little bubble operates. Well, and that's very true. Um, and, and, and I can tell you, honestly, when, when you first read the title of the article, I'm replaying that scene in my head and I'm going, I don't remember no damn kiss. Well, he, I would have, he, I would have remembered now. When you reiterate what happened, and I remember him giving him, please give me my sword and, you know, fare thee well, my brother, and he's holding him. And yes, he does um, kiss him on the brow, on the forehead. I never, ever equated any of that to a, even close to a homosexual um, gesture whatsoever. Correct. And I don't know, maybe... I can't say that that's because of my my knowledge or any kind of insight I have into Tolkien or nor of that of the, um, you know, Arthurian age, if you will, which all of these are, are emblematic of. It has nothing to do with that. It's you have two very masculine men already. Uh, obviously, they are they are warriors. Well, you can t they're masculine dudes. Um. Fare thee well, my brother, is nothing more. I mean, it is the tender wisp into the ether, into the beyond, if you will. Um, and it should be held by those who are close to your kin or akin to you. And your brother in arms, especially at that moment, is absolutely, I mean, he is the trusted family that will guide you safely on. I don't see how... I don't understand the the equation. I guess is is the hard part for me. I well, I think a big part of this, and I'm going to kind of go off into a little deep end and a little bit of esoterica for for all of our listeners, Sweet. much to their chagrin, I'm sure. Um, 
you know, I, I was, I was re, I was going back through some of the books that I have on mythology because I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with a lot of these same kinds of themes in pop culture media. <clears throat> and there's this tremendous disconnect between people who create some of this media and people who um, critique some of this media like Zev here, and they live in this bubble. They, they, they live in this bubble where they don't understand the mythology that is behind some of these stories. They don't understand the purpose of mythology and, and therefore, and there's a, 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 a mythological scholar from years back, his name is Eliade. And Eliade wrote that if you, if you shun mythology, that mythology speaks to, to parts deep within us on a psychological, spiritual level as human beings. And if you shun and you remove the mythology piece and you say, well, I don't believe in mythology, that's just ancient religion, there's still something deep within you that looks for something. And so what you then gravitate toward is you just bounce from one ideology to another. And for those of you who have been listening to the show for any length of time, you know that we've talked about the horrors of ideology and the troubles with ideology in the past. And this is an example where somebody like Zev has, he doesn't understand the mythology. And remember he said that Peter Jackson and company went back, they hearkened to a more golden age, a more historical Arthurian kind of concept of masculinity. Um, Meaning this is completely shocking to Zev that men would behave in a way that is not sexual because everything he sees is sexuality. And that is the ideology that Zev has clammed onto. And so therefore he sees everything through that lens of sexuality. And in this case, Zev is stunned. He is stunned that there are other people out there who do not or did not, at least at the time in 2001 when Fellowship premiered, that do not watch things and look at things through the lens of sexuality constantly. Well, and and there's a um, at least an undertone, if not um, a direct quote in there somewhere, basically saying he's he's golf clapping or slow clapping Peter Jackson for being right. brave enough to Woke stand enough. Yeah. in the face and speak loud or what is it? Speak loud to power or no? Truth to power. Ah, that's the one. Speak truth to power. Oh, that's so freaking retarded. Um, but to stand in the face of all of the other homophobes who are out there in the world and show the um the beauty and hidden masculinity behind male-on-male affection. Right. Dude, you have missed the point so far. I don't even know that there's a rope long enough for me to reach you to reel you back in. Right. This is this is very endemic of people who are if if i had to if i had to wager a guess my guess is zev is probably in his mid 20s early 30s at most right so so everything naturally everything was everything started around mid 1995 so beyond 1995 has never existed before i mean he, for for zev to say that that peter jackson reached way back to Arthurian legend, mind you. Well, well, and here's, I'm sorry. I had to put, I'm glad you brought that point back up because I go, well, what time frame do you think he's <laughs> relating to in this, 
exact moment in the story. I mean, this is not modern day story. This is a long time ago in that whole, even prior to the Arthurian legend or myth. Yes, he reached all the way back there. Duh. Really? That was that was that was your moment, huh? Right. That yeah. that was your moment. Okay. Because Dev has yeah. never seen a movie. He's never watched any kind of a, a war film or anything of you know within the last thirty years that has shown him men having emotional attachment to one another that's not sexualized. Apparently, apparently those movies never exist. Movies like Black Hawk Down and uh-huh. uh, Saving Private Ryan right. never existed. Mm-hmm. Apparently, movies like Pearl Harbor never existed before, right? Because we have to go back to the golden age of Hollywood, the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, in order to get some kind of masculinity portrayed on screen that is not, you know, that is a a different, more unique masculinity. No, Zev, the problem is not that masculinity has gone away. The problem is that you have a warped sense of looking at masculinity and everything about you looks at the world through the lens of Marxist postmodernism, uh, wokeness, sexuality, ideology. That's the problem here. Not us. It's you, Zeth. Right. You're the issue. Huh. If there are kudos to be given, it's anybody who is able to actually see masculinity for what it is especially in the area of Hollywood and around that area who actually still makes films Um, because the amount of woke blindness that is coming out of Hollywood, the absolute disconnection with the vast majority of, of uh, society today is it's absolutely mind boggling. If you're watching TV or watching film right now, you're probably wondering what the heck is going to happen to you and how is it everybody else has jumped on the woke bandwagon and you haven't yet? Well, that's warped. That is a warped sense of reality. Um, We talked about this before, even in the news media. This is called gaslighting, and this happens all over the place. Just because you keep seeing it everywhere you flip a channel and everywhere you turn on TV or in every movie you see does not make that reality for you and everyone else. So So let's kind of stay on this a little bit longer here, Um, but I'm going to shift it over to Star Wars. Okay. When when I was growing up, when I was a kid, I was a huge Star Wars fan. You don't say. I I was a tremendous Star Wars fan. I had just a gigantic Star Wars collection. In fact... If you go into the archives, deep into the bowels of the archives of the Arizona Republic on a Saturday issue, I believe it was on a Saturday, um, there's a gigantic picture of me on the back of one of the pages in like the entertainment section showing me, I must have been 13 years old, showing me sitting on the floor of my living room at the time, surrounded by all of my Star Wars memorabilia. Huge, just all around me. Um, yeah, I, I was a tremendous, a huge, huge Star Wars fan. Go ahead, you're looking at me like- this I, I am, but this is not for you. Anybody out there in the sound of my voice, the first person 
to go find this picture and email it to fusion under contact at fusionunderground.net. You will get a fusion underground wine tumbler from me personally. I will get it to you. I want this picture and I want it up so I can get it on our website. You know, they keep all of the archives of all I know. the newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the question is, how did I get picked? How did they find me? Uh, well, I actually, it was my dad's idea. My, my dad noticed that there are people who put collections and artwork or whatever in the state fair. And so I put all of my Star Wars, the little miniature guys, I put all the action figures and set them all up and everything and entered it into the state fair. And I want a blue ribbon, right? Everybody wants a ribbon. doesn't really matter. Um, but one of the reporters had gone through and seen the display there. And that's how she got my name and then contacted me. And then lo and behold, they came and did a whole picture. Yeah. There's a, it's a, it's this big old gigantic picture. I was thinking it was going to be like this little picture, like this big in the paper. Uh -huh. Oh no. It was oh, like it was this gigantic, page. it was yeah. like this huge, this huge picture. Um, yeah. In the Arizona Republic. Anyway. So yeah, I, I was wait. a huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan growing up. And, um, I really started getting turned off of Star Wars with the prequel trilogy. Um, and then the uh, the sequel trilogy is just awful. Beyond it's belief. garbage. It's total garbage. Um, but anyway, there's a new television show. You know how Disney on Disney Plus, mm -hmm. Disney Plus is now doing these television shows. They've got the Mandalorian out there. They yep. did the last season of the Clone Wars. Um, I guess now they're doing... Obi-Wan or something. Um, yeah, so they're, they're doing more and more Star Wars shows. Well, they're, they're doing another one called The Acolyte. I'm assuming this is probably about a Jedi. I okay. don't know. Um, but here's just a couple of things from, um, from some of the uh, news, geeky news websites that are out there about The Acolyte. So there's a, there, the show, the head of the show her name is, they call her the showrunner, but her name is Leslie Headland. The acolyte showrunner Leslie Headland explains why queer representation in the Star Wars universe is so important to her as a super fan. That was what uh, Comic Book Resources tweeted out. And they had an article to that. The playlist tweeted out The acolyte Leslie Headland explains hiring a writer who hasn't watched Star Wars to help with her Disney Plus series. Oh. Wow. Star, yeah. Comic Book Resources also posted or tweeted this out. Star Wars, the acolyte showrunner Leslie Headland isn't worried about the passionate fan base of the franchise when it comes to crafting her show. She should be. I was like, really? How do you, how are you not? Well, she might not be worried because she frankly doesn't care. Well, she doesn't give a crap. Star yeah. Wars Direct, Star Wars The Direct. I don't know what this place is, but they tweeted out Star Wars, the acolyte writer Leslie Headland says she hopes to keep reflecting George Lucas's political themes in the Disney Plus series. It's truly what he was interested in talking about and looking at and digging into. No, it, no, it was <laughs> not. <laughs> no, actually, that was not it at all. This, that, Bless that, your heart. Right? And how can she say that's clearly what he was into and interested in if she's never seen it? Well, I think Leslie, so for clarification, the Leslie Headland, I think, is the person who has seen it. She claims to be the super fan, but she's hired people who have not seen it. Oh, okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Right. 
So again, you know, I don't know if people realize this, but there was another big mythological scholar, uh, huge, who really defined a lot of, at least for mainstream academicians and people that are interested. His name is Joseph Campbell. He, he defined and brought forth mythological stories. Um, he, was an, he analyzed the structure of mythological stories quite a bit. And George Lucas modeled the original Star Wars films off of what Joseph Campbell had been talking about in terms of mythology. Lucas wasn't interested in telling a political tale. Lucas was interested in creating a mythology set in a sci-fi universe. And people like Leslie Headland have no idea that that's what he was doing. No. Her efforts on the Acolyte are going to fail so badly because she has no concept of what this means. But all of these other fans out here, they know or at least they feel it. They may not be able to articulate it, but they feel it. And so when they see something that doesn't feel like the mythology that they have become accustomed to, it feels wrong. And so they, therefore they immediately reject it. That's what people, that's what they did with the prequels yep. trilogy. Yep. And that's definitely what they did more so with the sequel trilogy. Correct. There were things that fans could kind of swallow and look past in the prequel trilogy. But in the sequel trilogy, it just completely flew in the face of everything of mythological storytelling. And, and therefore, it wasn't, it wasn't Star Wars. And these yep. people do not get it. Well, and in all fairness to these people, and, and I mean that, I really do, you know, they look for feedback. You know, what is it you didn't like? What is it you do like? I mean, there's... there's um, focus groups for this kind of stuff all over the place and most people that watch the prequels and most people that watch the um the the newest releases that just came out that were god awful most people hated it but yeah. most people like you said could not articulate as to why they didn't like it but right. they knew it just felt off it felt wrong it didn't have uh, you know i had somebody tell me it didn't have the same magic that spoke to the heart of people like the originals did and you know i've heard people say well that's because the there were the originals and it was new and is no yes that no. was all true they were the originals they were new they were exciting absolutely but when you actually look at it like a mythological story, much like religion, mm -hmm. um, all mythology speaks to the heart and soul of people on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. That's why mythologies take hold. That's why religions take hold. That's why they have a following that they do. You look at the fan base of um, Star Wars. It is a following, a true following. I mean, it's... It, I wouldn't, well, I think they actually did form a religion of Star Wars or, or the Jedi religion or whatever the heck it is. So maybe you can make that leap. But um, it does speak to the heart and soul of human beings. If you are not willing to at least to tap into that, or at least try to understand that, to, to bridge that gap, you're not going to be able to reach those same people in that same way. And to say it doesn't matter, and it's a political statement, 
um, I think speaks more highly to the problem we have right now where people are, are so wrapped up that there's no difference between politics and ideology, right. which is an exact substitute for any kind of mythology or religion, if you will, in their lives. That is what speaks to them. So that must be all there is. Right. And when you have writers who are now saying it's so important for us to put queer representation in Star Wars, there's a, there's a line in Empire Strikes Back that these people need to understand. There's a line that Yoda says to Luke and he, Yoda grabs the little chunk of his, of his shoulder you know, and squeezes it. And he tells him, he says, you know, we are not this crude matter luminous beings are we and in that single that single line what what george lucas did was he exploded people's minds in terms of what he was trying to talk about and now when i'm seeing people saying well we have to have queer representation what they don't understand is queer representation sexuality skin color hair color eye color all of those are superficial topical type of characteristics and when when lucas was exploring the concepts of the force and the concepts of the light and dark side of the force and jedi versus the sith he was going beyond the physicalness of the of the world he was going beyond the physical bodies of beings and he's speaking more to the psychological piece of ourselves and the spiritual part of ourselves he's transcending beyond that so right. now when I hear people saying, when I hear creators saying, well, we have to put queer representation in there. I'm like, I want to slap them on the face and say, you have no idea. You have no, you have no idea what Star Wars is. You shouldn't be writing about it because all you're going to do is you're going to tramp all over. You're going to just trample all over the damn thing. And it's going to fail because most fans can detect it. And they reckon that the true fans, are, they can detect it. They're going to say, this isn't Star Wars. I'm not giving you my money for this crap. Mm -hmm. I'm not right. watching it anymore. Right. Now, when you're talking about it, it was, um, and I think you and I have actually had this discussion before talking about the, the, um, the light and the dark side of the force. I mean, you're really looking at the, the inherent good and inherent evil nature of man, which is a philosophical and psychological idea that dates back i mean since man walked the earth and through yeah. every culture and every region of the world it's something that speaks to all of us i mean we've you see that you and i have had a discussion are are human beings inherently good or inherently evil i mean that is a question that has plagued mankind all the way back to the days of aristotle and socrates um and even in the other side of the world i mean the the orients or, or the, excuse me in the Orient, people actually use the, and you and I have talked about this, the yin and yang, to um, edify the dual nature of man. And not that there is one can outweigh the other, but that only by attaining perfect balance and understanding of both do you also gain strength and wisdom in that perfect pearl that's in the center of that, which is where true enlightenment happens, which we attain once we pass away and we shed as where Yoda and Obi-Wan actually you refer to when they pass on, they actually shed that physical shell that holds them back and attain true enlightenment. The soul goes to the beyond where all knowledge comes from. I mean, this is, these are philosophical, mythological and deep rooted inherent 
concepts that mankind has toiled over you know since from time immemorial sure it's not about politics you right. dumb twit and what the hell does having a queer representation or representation either in actor or character the hell does that have to do with concepts of good and equal or good and evil and morality nothing right right and you know there's a there's a there's something that happens here that i think too many people get hung up on people think a setting is the story and so yes if you look at at star wars you can see even if you go to the original trilogy or you go to the prequel trilogy george lucas borrowed heavily from from politics and then he kind of transformed them and put them into star wars okay um and but what what he's doing there is that's the setting but that's not the story of star wars well and it's a reference point for people to actually it's it's a relate um, to Thank you. It's yeah. something to relate to. If all he was doing was talking about politics and Star Wars, all he would have is a setting. But the story of Star Wars is the 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 growth and the the trials and tribulations of Skywalker transforming into a hero and the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. The 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 rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker, those are the stories. You can set them in any kind of a setting you want to. You could have created a Western with, and Star Wars is very much like a Western, but you could have a legitimate Western with saddles and horses and cattle and, you know, Indians attacking trains and all kinds of stuff like that. And you could tell the same story of Star Wars, but set in the Wild West. Mm-hmm. And into a large degree, we had that in the television series called Kung Fu with right. Kwai Chen Kang walking around barefoot in the 110 degree weather. <laughs> um, but the politics that happen to be um, stolen and then placed in Star Wars, that's part of the setting. That's not the actual story. And that, damn it, it just pisses me off that these people are writing for Star Wars. Um, and, and this is why The Mandalorian does so well. This is why The Mandalorian as a television show does so well. It's not because they're trying to be woke. They're trying to put representation in there. It's because the people who are creating the Mandalorian, they respect the, they respect the world. They respect the universe as it was created. They respect the power structures that are already there. And so when you respect all of that, now you can play and have fun in the, you know, in the playground and tell all kinds of stories in there. And that's what the Mandalorian people are doing. And guess what? Star Wars fans will love it. Yep. And I made a I made an actual analogy with the whole Mandalorian, and it, you're right there with me. Um, Lucas gave us a whole world, and then everybody got to go out, or these people are going out to create their own sandboxes to have their own mini games. I said this is essentially Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Lucas gave us Dungeons and Dragons, the player's handbook version one, and now. All the individual people get to go out and they're playing little games with the rules in the world that's already been set up. Right. Those are successful and they do well. Right. Mandalorian's a perfect example of that. It's its own little mini game in this small little area that is actually playing by the same rules under the same mythology, under the same political ideology or influence that's already in place, the, the social structures that are there but it's just playing by the rules and it's telling another story 
at the same time that all that other stuff is happening. It's actually well done in that regard because you're obeying the rules that are already there. Right. Which is why the in. which Sorry. is why the Clone Wars did so well as an animated right. television show because they respected the they respected the the source material. Right. Um the fir- the prequels flopped because it I mean they turned all that on its head. The only thing they had in their brain was we know we have to get Anakin Skywalker to become right. Darth Vader. But by the season or episode one, if you will, to episode three. And we can mess with whatever the hell we want in there. As long as we make it flashy and cool and we have lightsabers, everybody will love it. Oh, and we got to throw Yoda into blink. Right. No. Connect them. Yeah. No. You know, I really wish, I know this is kind of a tangent, but I really wished that, that in the prequels, the first episode had Anakin Skywalker already full grown. I do too. I think they really missed the boat on that because they didn't really get to tell fully Anakin's story. Because imagine, you know, when you when you look at A New Hope, episode four, and Darth Vader walks into that ship. Most most of the most Star Wars fans, we never knew anything before then, right? So when when Darth Vader first first walked in, there were so many people that are fans today that were like, "Oh wow, who is this walking in like a badass?" right? I really wanted the first three episodes where I wanted to just love Anakin more than anything. And that way, when he falls and commits so much evil in the fall, in in his falling, that it sets up that entrance of him in episode four. And then we're like, holy shit, it's Vader. Like that's the response we should have is, holy fucking shit it's darth vader you know (laughs) just get the fuck out of here let's move right (laughs) and that kind of the prequels were kind of so it's like okay well it's vader who cares that's kind of how i feel now yeah his he only wears his helmet to hide his crying right right you know we didn't even get to see vader until the very final minutes of episode three I really wanted episode one and two where we were just loving him and we're rooting for him and he's like the best hero. And then all of a sudden episode three, he falls and he murders everybody and just like death, destruction, swaths of, you know, freaking lightsaber death and destruction. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my God, it's Vader, right? I mean, that, right. he should have become not just a villain, but he should have become like like Jason from, from Friday the 13th or, you know, Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, should we should have feared him, and we just kind of were like, eh. in there. I have some more Star Wars news, but this comes by way of the toys. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah. I don't make enough money to buy all the Lego sets <laughs> because those things are freaking expensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's a there's a Star Wars Lego set um, that has Boba Fett's starship. Uh, and that's not what I'm calling it because I know it as Slave One. Uh, that's what the starship is called. The starship's name is Slave One. However, Disney is Disney is demanding that the name of the ship not be referred to as Slave One and that it merely be referred to as Boba Fett's ship, Boba yeah. Fett's starship. Mm-hmm. So they have taken away Slave One. They're, they're saying they're not changing the name they're just not going to use it. They're just not going to use it. Right. 
Which is effectively changing it. Which is effectively changing it. Yes, because yep. when I was a kid, I had multiple Slave One toys. You know, I had the actual big, you know, Hasbro toy of Slave One. And then I had like middle mini little die cast ones uh-huh. and shit like that. And all of them came, all of the packaging said Slave One. Yeah. That's that's what it was. Because that's what it was. Because, yeah, that's what and, it is. And this, you and I have talked about, it. you know, language matters. Language um, does matter. And simply by not mentioning it, yeah, you are changing it. You're changing. Here's it. here's a perfect example. You and I are sitting here talking. Um, anybody out there listening to this show, at least if you listen for a while, you know that Dr. Ramirez's first name is Lucy, <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's that's how Jason refers to him. Correct. correct. So effectively, I have changed your name to a point. Yeah, I have. My daughter does not know you by any other name other than Uncle Lucy. That's true. This is very true. If I simply stop calling somebody by their name and call them by another name, Mm -hmm. I'm effectively changing their name against their will. Sure, sure. If you simply replace a word with another word and not use the other, you are changing the definition of the English language. And, and why are they doing it? They're doing it because they're afraid of the because word Because the word slave. Because, yes, because we're living That's, in this woke bullshit. Right. There was a, there's a, um, a documentary film. I think it's a film. It might be a small miniseries. There's a documentary that I just saw. I didn't watch it. I saw, like, I think it's on Netflix or something like that. Um, it's, it's about how black holes are racist. I kid you not. And I, I just, I don't, I can't even, I don't have even, I, I don't, I don't have any chance to even, I, I just, I can't, I, I just can't. <laughs> I love watching you stammering over, over just the sheer stupidity of stuff. It cracks me up. <laughs> I said this to you not long ago. You are a very intelligent and fairly well articulated gentleman. And coming across those moments, those rare moments where you are absolutely dumbfounded to where you cannot put together a full sentence is absolutely amusing to me. Yeah. It, there, there was a thread on, 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 uh, on Twitter that I found that did this to me. And the, the thread was about a guy who said, write one word in the comments and I will try to find a video on why it's racist. Go. So people said oxygen. He he put in here a screenshot from Mother Jones. This is how racist your air is. <laughs> yeah. Um. The, here was sunglasses. Oh, we, we gotta we 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 gotta share some of this here. So um, let right. me uh, let me do this. So sunglasses, right? Okay, so I'm researching where glasses and when glasses were invented. So, like, you might be asking, like, why the fuck are you doing this stuff? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but I have no nose bridge. It just goes over. And I'm wearing glasses and with nose pads. And if I take off my glasses, there are literal, like, grooves in my face because of the nose pads. So what's my thesis? So I pulled up a couple taps, and guess what? All of them say something in Europe. 
Now tell me that is not racist. The origins of glasses assume that you have a nose bridge high enough, and guess what? If you don't, you have these little, I don't know, replacements, alternatives. But if I have to have physical pain from not having a nose bridge and something I can't control, that's racist. Wait, no, 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 hold on. Okay, so she ended this with, let me, let me make sure I, I have this right. Cause yeah, yeah. If I have to have physical pain because of something I cannot control, that's racist. Yeah. Now yeah. I have a question, follow-up question. Okay. All right. I have been told multiple times that I cannot call racism because I'm white, right? Correct. Wait. That is correct. Now, but now I got bunions. I got bad feet. Right. And they cause me physical pain over something right. I cannot control. So that should right. be racist. But I'm right. white. What do I do? Stuck it up. That's what you have to do. Damn it. Right. I yes. want reparations from yes. my feet. So what <laughs> I don't under <laughs> what I don't understand is she says she has no nose bridge. Right. She doesn't have <laughs> she doesn't have this part of her nose. And then she bitches because she gets little indentations on it. So which is it? <laughs> do you not have a nose or do you what? I don't understand. And guess what? I've got a freaking nose bridge too. I wear glasses and I get little indentations on the side where those little pads are. So Yay. does everybody that wears glasses. Right. Anybody who wears glasses gets those. It sucks. Yes. I take my glasses off and I rub right there because they, they hurt after a while. Yes. Join the freaking club. <laughs> Holy well, crap. Go get eye surgery so you don't have to wear glasses. Yeah, but but then what would she call racist? Well, I don't know. Probably her, her t-shirt or her bra. Oh, bras are racist they have to be because i i don't know a single woman who likes wearing them right right somebody somebody posted the rule the the word computers and sure enough there's a video on tiktok talking about how technology is racist puppies somebody posted the word puppies and they came back and said dogs cannot be homophobic but they can be racist guess what dogs are racist Everything's racist. If you just admit that everything's racist, right? Then you're like, yeah, okay, fine. Dieting is racist. Now I kind of agree with that. Dieting is racist. Um, so I I think we should dis or get rid of all dieting whatsoever. This one cracked me up. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. Oh my gosh. This one. This is uh, just. I yeah. have no. I have. I have no words. Just. The water in Virginia is racist. The water racist, look, because I ain't white. You feel me? It don't work. But that's cool, though. The water in Virginia. No, no, those things never work. It's not, they don't detect skin pigment. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I need it's a motion sensor, you dumbass. I gotta I gotta make sure everybody who's not on video understands what we're looking at. This guy, this guy is in a bathroom 
putting his hand underneath the sink, the automatic faucet, the and sensor. saying that because it's not picking up on his hand, the water is racist. The water is racist. The water is racist. Not the not the faucet. Not the sensor. Not the, the bathroom. Not the building that he's in. Not the people that installed it. Right. Not the, the nobody else. The H two O in the lines in the city. Actually, the water, in the the water molecules are hanging out, and they're like, "Dude, he's not white. We're not going." <laughs> he said, "The water in Virginia, in Virginia, the entire state can detect that he is not Caucasian, and therefore will not dispense for him anywhere." Watermelon, what? Oh, <laughs> just moving on from there, right? <laughs> Watermelon is apparently racist. I've heard that before. Did you see? Did you see how IKEA? So last last week was it last week or the uh, whenever Juneteenth was? Two weekends ago. <laughs> two weeks ago it was Juneteenth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but, <laughs> but Ikea, Ikea, right? They have the little cafeteria in all the different Ikeas. If you've ever go eat oh. the, the meatballs, the meatballs are really good. Okay. But they, they had a menu specifically for Juneteenth. Oh, good God. Now we know what Juneteenth is, right? Juneteenth was a, is a day of national recognition, a day of recognition started in Texas that recognized the emancipation of slaves okay yes started in texas it's been going on in texas for decades so but a few weeks ago it was made into a federal holiday as if we need to give more federal employees a day off right or teachers all right or teachers well it's in the middle of summer anyway f them so anyway ikea a scandahoovian country or a scandahoovian company Right, they decided they were gonna they were gonna release this Juneteenth menu, and so they put together a Juneteenth menu that consisted of collard greens, fried chicken, watermelon. I think black-eyed peas were on the menu as well. Maybe some grits. And I'm thinking, wait, and people were outraged over this, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. wait a minute. Why are you outraged? So let's have a conversation about why you're outraged. Are you outraged because a Scandahoovian country off wanted to celebrate Juneteenth and offer foods that black folk like? Or are you just upset that there's food that black folks like? I don't understand. A lot of my black friends, they love fried chicken and watermelon and collard greens and hog mouths and hog giles and all that crap. Right. They love that stuff. But if, that if is Cinco de Mayo. I would expect people to have burritos and tacos and tostadas and freaking Mexican food. You want freaking Mexican? Why are these people complaining over Juneteenth menu items from IKEA? Well, the funny part is, as soon as you said they created a special menu for Juneteenth, I was like, nope, they're they're fucked. It, they're it, done. The there way. is no win. There's no way to win. I Wait. mean, what? Because I, 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 I said, when you said watermelon is racist, I'm like, yeah, I've heard that. Because yes, um, the, the racist stereotype is that all black people love fried chicken, watermelon, grape Kool-Aid, and, you know, black-eyed peas and chitlins. I mean, that's, 
That's the stereotype. So either you say, well, this is what all the um, non-con or African American. I don't know what the cor correct nomenclature. I don't know what it is either. Anyway, um, we, this is what we understand you want. Or you just go, we're going to do uh, hamburgers and french fries. Because we don't know what else to do. Right. What are you going to do? If they... If and then you're racist just, for not understanding their culture. If they would have just thrown up collard greens and fried chicken and watermelon, people still would have got pissed off, even if they didn't do it for Juneteenth, because the people would have come out of the woodwork and said, you're appropriating, you're misappropriating our culture. That's what that's what the right. response would have been. Mm -hmm. that, that's what the, you know, if somebody's going to celebrate a Mexican holiday, Dia de los Muertos, for example, or they're going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, which isn't a holiday at all in Mexico. Mexicans don't understand why the hell Americans. Germans don't get pissed at Oktoberfest for having brats and beer. Right, right. <laughs> Are you not supposed to serve Irish food on St. Patty's Day? Nobody cares about Nobody gives that. a crap. Yeah. Nobody cares? Great. You know what? Embrace it. At least somebody's thinking about you. I, I, and yeah, I don't understand how actually enjoy. So, you know what my wife got me for Father's Day for my dinner? Because hmm. I didn't cook. I didn't want to cook. I was like, nope, I don't want to grill. I don't want to do any of that. She got me fried chicken, potato salad, macaroni salad, and a watermelon. And I loved the hell out of it. Absolutely. I loved it. Absolutely. That was amazing. That's one of my favorite just dinners all together. I love watermelon. I love fried chicken, good fried chicken. And macaroni salad, potato salad has to go with fried chicken. What the hell is the problem? Right. What about waffles? Waffles? All my black friends love some Waffle House. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Is that a thing? I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought well. Know. I thought waffles were Belgian. Well, Belgian waffles are Belgian. Oh, so <laughs> so so. What are all the rest of the waffles? Right, waffles. They're just waffles. <laughs> I don't know, man. But what do you? But but waffles are racist. <laughs> Dude, everything's racist. Anti-racism is now racist. It's on this list. <laughs> okay. I don't I, I don't get any of it. I don't understand. Birds are racist. Yeah, the racist the racist legacy many birds carry. Birds actually carry racist legacy. You know, fried chicken is racist. LED lights are racist. LED lights because they're more yes. expensive? I who knows? Probably. Coffee is racist. How's well, milk? Cow's milk is the perfect drink for supremacist. Well, wait. Cheese is racist. Cheese? Cheese. Wow. Yeah. Cheese. Damn that cheese. You know what? I have an idea. We take all the cheese in the world and confiscate it all. You and I have it delivered to... Dr. Ramirez and myself, and we will consume the world's cheese so that nobody else has to. Right? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Damn straight.
And if anybody else wants some racist cheese, you can come get it from me. Right. right. <laughs> uh, apparently, the sex toy industry is also racist. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Now, that was a very specific statement. So not the, the sex industry or the pornographic industry, but sex toys. the yes. sex toy industry. Yes. I'm intrigued. Right. The fashion industry is racist. Air's racist. Tacos are racist. Dirt is racist. Dirt? <laughs> Dirt, yeah. Uh, condoms. Right. Condoms are racist. Um, breakfast meat. Breakfast meat is racist. Um, yeah. The racist messages behind American images of fruit. I didn't even know we had images of what the hell are American images right. of fruit? I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> Autonomous vehicles are racist. Vegetables are racist. Tampons. Uh, Tampons. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Math. Math is racist. Chess, yeah, we've talked about that. Chess is racist because you, white, white goes, goes first. first. Yes. I called that months ago. I win. <laughs> smiling, smiling has a strange effect on racist and sexist first impressions. Don't smile. Otherwise, you're behaving in a racist manner. Cassette tapes are racist. C cassette God, tapes. God is racist. Oh, has to be. Yeah. Yeah. God is racist. The racist history of tipping. Like cow tipping? <laughs> tipping your servers. Oh. I, was like, yeah. Bloop. I didn't yeah. I didn't know. All right. I got um, you. Autism. Autism is racist. Yeah. Blueberries. Like, Blueberries are also racist. So is mac and cheese. Yeah. Oh. Pianos. Pianos. Um the racist piano plays the hostile sound of xenophobia. Pianos are racist. Wow. I mean, the list just keeps going. It's like it's never ending. Everything is racist. Well, you know what? If we finally reach the point where everything is racist, then, then nothing we can is. accept that nothing is. Then absolutely nothing is. Yep. It's one of um, my favorite lines from um, The Incredibles. The Incredibles. I yeah. love it. When everyone is super no one will be. No one is super. And I have everyone to say, is special. No one is. I have to say something about The Incredibles. And The Incredibles is a perfect film. It's a great movie. It is a perfect film. It is, in my, in my, in my opinion, it's one of the top five best movies ever made. It is a perfect film. It's structured perfectly. It's everything about it. It's characterization. It's story development. Everything is perfect. It's just a perfect movie. It. It. it I've heard actually people who are in the film industry who have even said the same thing. Yeah. People are mm -hmm. studying, people now study the, uh, they study the Incredibles the same way um, film scholars study like Citizen Kane or The Godfather. They now study yep. the Incredibles. It is a perfect film. Uh, I, I, I just, there are so many different, the way that the, the, the script is structured the op the first second and third acts they hit exactly when they're supposed to in in terms of timing um and i literally i mean literally timing like you can set your 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 stopwatch and the first act ends at the 20 minute mark which is exactly what 
uh, producers in Hollywood want to see. It's it's a uh, but it, it the reason why they want that too is because you don't want the first act to drag on, and so you want it to be really crisp and to the point. It's just a perfect film. It's a yep. it's a perfect perfect film. Timing's a really interesting thing in movies in general. It is. It is. Um, you know, there's you watch a movie and most of the time you don't understand or you can't really grasp how much time has passed between scenes, between right. moments, even in conversation. And there's times where it feels like things are dragging, but yeah. conversation actually slows things up. And it just, yeah. you know, there was, um, it's funny. I, did you ever see frozen? You, I don't, I have kids. Yeah. So I yeah. see all this. Okay. Yeah. So there's a moment in frozen where, where uh, Anna's getting ready to go in to see Elsa and he, and she tells Olaf, wait, just wait, give me two minutes. And he's like, okay. And he starts counting. So she goes in and she has a conversation with her sister Elsa. And it's actually broken up by Olaf coming in. If you watch the movie counter, he comes in at exactly two minutes later. Really? It does. It's really incredible that they actually paid attention to that. So that's why it always feels like he interrupts, uh -huh. but the con and he does interrupt that conversation and it's right there, but it's yeah. brief, but it's been long enough. A two minute conversation or dialogue actually feels like a fairly long time. So that's why you're like, right. Oh, he just broke in, but it's at exactly two minutes when she tells, tells him to huh. do that. it's that's really cool. That's yeah. I just, tonight I watched, uh, so I have a brand new TV, which you know about. Um, and I watched, I got a, I, I got a hankering to watch uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I've only seen that movie one time. I saw it once in the movie theater. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved it. When I saw yep. the movie, I actually loved it. Um, and so I thought, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch it again. Uh, because now I have unlimited, I have free Disney basically on my Verizon account. Uh, free Disney, Hulu, and ESPN. I'll never watch the ESPN, but uh, I'll watch the Hulu and, and Disney Plus. So I watched the I watched Winter Soldier. That's such a great film, and it's it's a great film because it's not even really a superhero film. I mean, yes, Captain America is doing some pretty superheroic kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but it's like it's like a little bit of superhero stuff and and a little bit of espionage and a little bit of drama and you know it's kind of all these little pieces. It, it just it's such a it's such a great such a great film. I recommend people go check that out. Even if you don't, even if you say, well, I don't like superhero films, watch The Winter Soldier. You'll probably actually like that movie. And what's great about it is you don't really have to watch the first Captain America because they catch you up enough where you, if you didn't watch the first Captain America movie, you don't, you can still watch this one. Right. right. It's a good one. It really is. I, I do is like what they did with that one. So speaking of Marvel, Okay, We're, I figured that was coming at some point. Speaking of Marvel, here's a, a uh, this was a, an article published at ScreenRant.com um, talking about a new Fantastic Four storyline called uh, Fantastic Four Life Story, I guess is the name of the story arc. Now, for those who are unaware, Marvel Comics has been hurting of late. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, They've been hurting so badly in not just Marvel, but so, but so is Disney and the rest of Western comic book publishing. Um, the last several months of this year, a single issue, a single issue of, of manga coming out of Jap, uh, coming out of Japan. One, one comic book issue has outsold the entirety of Western comic books has outsold them completely. And Western comic book publishers 
they don't understand why. They they don't they don't understand it. No, that's BS. No, stop. That's what they claim. No, no, no. I'm going to stop. They They know exactly why. Of course they do. They refuse to admit that they have jumped on the woke BS bandwagon and are trying to ride it to crazy town. And they refuse to admit or to see that their fan base is not on board the train with them. Because the cognitive dissonance is just too much for them to, to bear. It's too much for them to bear. So they just double down and they just say publicly, well, we don't know why. Um, So in light of all of that, in light of the fact that Marvel, DC, Image, uh, Dark Horse, all of them are getting completely destroyed by what's coming out of Japan, Marvel decides it's now a great time to release Fantastic Four Life Story and the title of this article is Reed Richards' Outdated Gender Views Broke Up the Fantastic Four. <laughs> In an alternate universe, Reed Richards' outdated views on gender drove a wedge between him and Sue Storm leading to the Fantastic Four's demise. This is the story that Marvel is going to tell or is telling in Fantastic Four Life Story. So the miniseries Fantastic Four Life Story presents a new view of the team starting in the early 1960s and progressing through to the present day. In issue two, set in the 1970s, the times are changing and Reed refuses to change with them, a move that spells the end of the Fantastic Four. Um, Yada, yada, yada. Long story short, um, Reed Richards is, well, he's basically just a dude who says he doesn't believe in feminism. Um, and that pisses everybody else off. Hmm. Well, the good news is that should save the entire Marvel franchise. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because that's what, what's going to do it. Because the the feminists and the and the woke culture out there, they are such diehard comic book fans that they're going to rush out and spend enough money on your movie and your story to actually save your entire franchise. I I love this paragraph here. This paragraph in the article says, while the story may ostensibly be about Reed preparing for Galactus's arrival, Fantastic Four Life Story is also a story about how the team impacts and is impacted by the world around them. The women's liberation movement gained steam in the 1970s, thanks in part to women like Betty Friedman, and that is acknowledged here. Reed Richards continually denies or stonewalls his wife's attempts at happiness, claiming his work is superior to hers. He continues the be- this behavior until Sue has had enough and she leaves him an act that leads to the dissolution of the Fantastic Four. So apparently, apparently Sue Storm, his wife is trying to, she's like, she's become an ideologue now and mm-hmm. she's all in, you know, modern day feminism and everything. And Reed Richards, how dare he, claims that his work is superior to hers. Guess what, everybody? He's Reed Richards. His work is superior to anything that Sue Richards is doing. Why? <laughs> because he is quite honestly probably the most intelligent guy on the planet. The man is trying to figure out ways to, oh, I don't know, stop Galactus from eating Earth. <laughs> yes, his work is more important. I'm sorry. I was waiting. Anything else? Who are these people? No, 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 <laughs> no. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But this is what I'm talking about. You just literally sat here and said the American comic book industry can't figure out why they're not. This is why. Well, this is why they know why. Right. But it just like what we've seen in our modern culture right now, when an argument doesn't work, it can't be because the logic is fouled or false. It can't be because your argument does not hold water. It must be because everybody else who's listening to you must be racist, homophobic, ideological. I mean, absolutely contrary. They're all wrong. So you double down on stupid. That's the answer. And beat them into submission. That is exactly what's happening in our society today. So why would we not see that mirrored in our comic book industry, which is just, I mean, those are social constructs. Right. This is a big problem that I have in with modern day Western comic books. And I wish people, I wish these creators would take a page more out of what Stan Lee did in the 1960s with, with the X-Men. Um, the X-Men being mutants, mutants are hated by members of society. They, they have literally their entire existence. They've been hated. Um, Congress has tried to pass legislation to outlaw mutants and imprison them and all kinds of craziness. And that, and Stanley used the, used the mutant genes that these individuals, that these characters have. He used it as a metaphor for any kind of prejudice or oppression that people have experienced. So yes, the characters weren't gay. They weren't queer. They weren't necessarily black or Hispanic or Irish or any of these things because the mutant gene stands in for all of that because who among us has not been prejudiced in some way, picked on, uh, oppressed or whatever in some form of capacity, whether you were the black kid who attended an all white school or a white kid who went to an all black school or a rich kid who went to a poor school. um, It doesn't matter. All of us have been in that kind of position where we've been the black sheep, where we've been odd man out and we felt like we didn't belong and uh, people treated us as as we we shouldn't belong. Mm -hmm. And the X-Men stood for all of those things and now and what and the beauty of that is that the x-men become timeless you can pick up an x-men book in 1960 or in 2020 you can pick up those old issues and you can read it and you can attach yourself to the characters and the storyline because it speaks on a metaphorical level to you when you say well we're going to put queer representation in the comic book you completely root it in the here and now and it only applies to people who are queer and it no longer transcends time. It no longer becomes timeless. And your comic book dies the moment once it's passed out of the, the collective consciousness of readers. Yep. Yep. You, you pigeonhole your, your audience base to such a finite demographic and well, really in space and time that. Right. There, there's nothing of interest to it. So even a comic book that, and, and let's say it's not a comic book. We'll take it to a movie. Yeah, you talked about the Incredibles. All right, well, here's a bunch of supers, not mutants, if you will, who literally were outlawed. Right. They were in hiding because, uh, you know, 
accidents befallen so people feared them you know i remember seeing signs in the beginning of that movie is you know is x-ray x-ray vision a peeping tom you know what i mean it's stuff like that so here's all these superheroes who are underground well so if that was well here's all um let's just take take your analogy you said uh, uh queer well if it was just about queers if that doesn't speak to me right here and now i'm not gonna watch it I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to relate to that character. And I am not going to take that information and then pass it along to you and say, Dr. Ramirez, you got to pick this up. You got to check this out. Right. And that's, and when you actually can make something that appeals to everyone, it unifies everyone into those characters. And then we can relate to them. And it actually creates bonds, not only to the characters in the movie and that, which can transcend, but it also transcends out of that world to each other, to the viewers. They actually right. have now an immediate connection to other viewers who have seen it or other readers who have shared that experience and other people who have connected with those people for those same things. And it creates a sense of community and, and togetherness or brotherhood or sisterhood, if you will, right. Right. throughout our entire society that we can actually get. That's why um, when you talked about Star Wars, that's what we connected with. We can connect to those people on those level because they speak speak to everyone regardless of race creed color credo doesn't matter when you are so laser focused on trying to represent all of these little individual microcosms of people specifically as one person or character in this moment you lose the cohesion of not only of your characters in your story but also of the audience who's trying to connect with them right on one hand if you if you if you place all of your story in metaphor and symbolism, then your readers have the ability and the power to, to think of it and gain value from the symbolism and metaphor on their own terms. If you dictate that, you strip away the symbolism and you strip away the metaphor and you basically say, this character is queer and so look at their trials and tribulations. Now you're, you're, you're setting it in stone and now you're taking away that agency from your consumer and you're completely putting all of the power in the hands of the creator. And guess what? If I don't give a crap about it, well, then I'm not going to buy your stuff. I'm not going right. to connect with it. I'm not going to. And, and as Star Wars fans, look, it doesn't matter. You know, even comic book fans or gaming fans, we don't care. Nobody gives a crap what, you're, what you do with your genitals. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. What's right. cool is going into a place and seeing somebody wearing a, a video game t-shirt or a comic book t-shirt. And now, hey, you like that? I like that too. Right. Let's talk comic books. Let's talk video games. That's something that we can connect on. But if you're just flying the rainbow flag, well, I'm not the I'm not a rainbow, so I'm not going to connect with you. So th- these things have these the capability, things like pop culture going, they are our modern day mythologies. They have a way of bringing people together and connecting people and transcending beyond those things and having us all like recognize our friends by just a glance. And these creators are removing that and they're dumb and it right. just pisses me off. Well, and and I'm sorry, I've said this about our the way the direction our society is headed right now as a whole. 
you know, in, in our overwhelming efforts to try to be inclusive of individual groups and individual people as they, however they self-identify, what you end up doing is actually um, driving a wedge between people to where there's nothing that unifies us. In your idea to include and to bring everybody together, you're actually pushing all of us into these subgroups apart. Right. You know, there was a time I, well, and I still believe, sorry, <laughs> my, my favorite holiday is coming up, 4th of July. There was an overwhelming sense of pride um, that I have when, especially when I go down in the parade and I see people waving the American flag, that is a unification symbol. It's a unifying symbol and it should be. And anybody in this country should feel that and should know that and should recognize that it's a symbol that brings us together. The more we try to fly other flags and, and bring other groups of recognition out, I, I'm sorry, there is not a single federal government building in this country that I think should be allowed to fly any other flag than the American one, period. I agree. End of I story. Agree. Because everything else singles one group out right. and removes them from everyone else. Right. I don't believe in that. I want to unify everybody in this country. I want to treat every other American as an American. That's because that matters to me. And it really does. You know this about me. Yeah. Um, I want us all to walk together in peace and harmony prevailing. I really do. And the more I see all of these individual groups being picked out for the sake of uh, inclusion, the more we are secluding each other from one another. And it's, it's a big problem. Yeah. Definitely. Anyway. All right. Well, I, I kind of walked through all of the stuff that I have. Do you have any closing, uh, closing comments for people before we put a bow on this one? It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, we'll, we'll get back into, I think probably, well, I don't know. We had a good time tonight. Maybe we'll just play loosey goosey for a while, but, um, yeah. um, if there, my challenge still holds up, find me an article with a picture of, um, little Dr. Ramirez there with all of his star Wars stuff. And I'll get you a Tumblr. Um, <laughs> but, uh, if there are, are things in particular that you'd like, uh, for, Dr. Ramirez and I to actually discuss or unpack or go into detail, please shoot us an email or connect with us on Facebook because um, I think uh, we're going to try and I'm going to try and do a little bit more community outreach here and bring some topics to the table. So fantastic. I love it. I can't I wait to might. see what we do. I have a, a, a big topic, actually, I think I'd like to bring up, but uh, you and I can discuss that first because I'd like to go into it a little bit prepared right. before next I'm, time. So. I'm excited. Let's do it next week. Done. Okay. I don't All even right. know what it is, but let's do it. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is, uh, this is us coming back. So, um, yeah, here we are. For Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez, and you've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Peace. We're have late. a good night. <laughs>